It's a true story. True story. Of seven strangers. Pick to live in a loft. And find out what happens. When people stop being polite. Could you get the phone? And start getting real. The real world has reunited. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, I'm Stacy. And I am Pete. We're here to discuss episode three of The Real World Homecoming. The name of this episode is Listen. That's <laughs> fitting. It is. I feel like we heard almost everyone say that a lot. Well, almost everyone. Almost everyone, exactly. <laughs> Except one person. <laughs> and that one person is Becky. Becky. Another Becky-centric episode, it felt like. It was very Becky-heavy. It was all focused on her this entire time. Well, we picked up from the argument that she was having with Kevin from the previous episode. Mm -hmm. They kind of rewound a little bit just so you knew what was going on. Right. Or were reminded of what was going on. I thought it was interesting because it would cut to like Heather, you know, because most of them just said nothing and they let them have their conversation. But then we see people start interjecting a little bit more. But like Heather stayed quiet the whole time. Yeah. And she was saying how through radio, through doing her radio shows, that she's really learned that you have to listen, but that it was really awkward. Yeah, that was noticeable that she thought it felt awkward and it did feel awkward yeah. between the two of them. And then it started to grow as far as who it felt awkward with. Right. Well, poor Norman was sitting in between Kevin and Becky, right? And he's... You know, everyone knows that he and Becky are close. Right. And they remain close after the show. But he starts chiming in, like, basically just getting on to Becky because she's not listening. Yeah. And he's just, like, getting heated. He's like, just shut up. Yeah, eventually, yeah, he, does, he tells her to shut <laughs> he up. He yells at her to shut up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where she kind of really shut down because she feels like he's not on her side here. But, you know. Which he wasn't. He wasn't. But he was actually looking out for her. You know, he says mm -hmm. later, like. I was just trying to save her because all I could think about was how this was going to look when it aired mm -hmm. a couple months from now. And he said that to her. He's like, think about how this is going to look like you need to listen. Yeah. And she didn't even listen to that. Then that's when she was like, can I listen to Kevin? <laughs> he's like, hello. <laughs> that's when he told her to shut up. I think. Yeah. He's just like, this is why I'm upset because you're not listening to Kevin. Yeah. Like she started going into, this was before Norman had yelled at her, but. She starts digging into like a dance class she was in. And she's kind of going into reasons why. Well, she basically says that in this dance class, she lost her skin color. Yeah, she did. And say so that. did everyone else. And, you know, at this point, it's just kind of like, what point are you trying to make? It's the equivalent of people saying, but I have black friends. Yeah, that's it, Kevin said that exact thing where he's yeah. just like, well, yeah, but I've got, you know, three black friends or something like that. You know? Right. It was just like, the absolute worst thing to say at this point in time in the conversation. Right, absolutely. You know, Kevin's talking to her about how all she's doing pretty much in the house is talking about how she travels and all these things that she does with her privilege. Yeah. And then then the producers basically um, don't do Becky any favors. Yeah, they play a montage of her <laughs> talking about all of the stuff that she has, all of the places she's been. And how she's able to just kind of do whatever it is right. that she wants to do. Oh, I took her home in France. Yeah. You know, she can just 
it's right, you know, 20 minutes from Italy, and then she can hop on a plane and be in Monaco in 30 minutes. Right. And just all of this stuff when... I got tired of California, so I was like, let's just move to France. Right. You know. And she she brings up her father, who is the reason, as great of a man as he was, I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, his money is the reason why she's able to do all these things. Yeah. You know. And the point for me was, listen, it's fine to... Be successful. It's fine to make money. That's great. Nobody wants to hear about it, you know? Or maybe, you know, they can hear about it one time, but the way that it looked, it seems like she talks about it a lot. Yeah. And he's just like, we've got a lot of serious things happening in the world, and Mm -hmm. that's what you're focused on. And then also, like, Julie's chiming in. She speaks up and is saying how sometimes, you know, you just have to meet people where they are Mm -hmm. and having... A conversation like this and trying to understand where someone's coming from. And then it, we kind of go into a little bit of like the work that she's done and things that she's doing and probably all kind of stemmed from her time on the real world and, and where her eyes started to open. Yeah. And she's like the vice president of something called the College Choice Foundation. Yes. Which sounds like they work with high achieving seniors who are low income and help them with their college application process. Right. But she also touches on the fact that what she kind of learned previously and where she thinks she had it wrong was it wasn't enough to just not be racist. You had to be anti-racist and push it back against it. That's what her takeaway from her original time on the show was and kind of what's at least partially or maybe wholly guided her throughout the rest of her life that's been in between. Right. I actually had a little exchange with Julie yeah. on Instagram, and I just wanted to share it because it meant a lot to me mm-hmm. because it truly was like, I feel like I was seeing the world through her eyes at that time as like a young 12, 13 year old. And so she had made a post and there's a picture of some of the roommates and a lot of the crew members from 1992 when they mm-hmm. were filming. Right. And just talking about her first political rally that she went to and just how eye-opening it all was for her and all of that. And I commented. I said, being a young girl from the South raised in a Christian home, I feel like I was experiencing all of these new ideas and people for the first time along with you. Your openness to it, I believe, is why I was able to easily be more open to new ideas than the people that were around me. Mm -hmm. And I said it was very impactful. And she responded and she said, really appreciate it. I know we can feel like an island, isolated. The support is helpful. It just felt, I don't know, because sometimes you just, you do feel isolated when, or, you know, you feel like you're the only one that kind of sees things differently and you don't even really know why. I don't know if anybody else experiences that. I mean, Julie did. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult to feel isolated in a viewpoint. It's not necessarily just family, but family or friends, it's just like, wow, I feel like I'm the only person that feels this way that I know. Right. And you're kind of taught to feel like it's wrong to feel that way. Yeah. So it is nice when you do find out that there are other people in the world that see it the way you do and you know that you're not alone. Yeah. They probably feel the exact same way you do. You just don't know them. That's why, you know, social media can be a great tool. Yes, absolutely. To to connect with people of Mm -hmm. like minds, a great and sometimes not a great tool, depending on how it's used. But Right. You know, it is a unique thing to find people of like mind. It is. All right. Back to the episode. So Andre chimes in at this point, too, kind of echoing what Julie said. And he said, you know, you have to project what you feel rather than just thinking it. Yeah. He was saying how 
having a child is kind of why he realized, you know, I can't just internalize these feelings anymore. I need to express them so that my daughter sees and learns. Yeah, they're not going to learn by your thoughts. Right. Then we cut over to Julie, who mentions that she brought her kids to the 50th anniversary of the marches from Selma to Montgomery. I guess she had seen them on the television, and I believe former President Obama was in attendance. And she's like, why are we watching this on TV? Yeah. It's like less than an hour away. So I guess her and the kids got in the car and and went over there. Yeah, I love that. that. Or to participate in it. And she was saying how her one daughter was afraid because they were the only white people there. And Julie's like, we're in the minority here. Mm-hmm. And her daughter was like, it's scary to be in the minority. It is, yeah. You know, and then and it was like a real teaching moment because she's showing her children, you know, what it's like for other people. Right. And teaching them about Bloody Sunday and all of that as well. Yeah, like the event itself and mm-hmm. then just the larger message attached to it back then and now. Right. It's just nice to see how she's engaging in all of these things that she could just ignore Yeah, and go on about her life. And I feel like a lot of that was born off of the original show. I think she'd be living a totally different life right now if she had not experienced that. Yeah. So then we're cutting back to the argument at hand and Norman is basically saying in his confessional Mm -hmm. that she's behaving like this thing called Karen, Yeah, (laughs) basically. And he doesn't say that to her, but that's, again, where he's, like, urging her to stop what you're doing and listen because this is not looking good for you, Yeah, you know? Kevin, at this point, actually asks her to just be quiet and listen. Right. Which she would not do. She would not stop interrupting, and she never started listening, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah. And then you have Eric's words of wisdom. Yeah. You know, he had been quiet this whole time listening, and you kind of forget that he's there because he's on the TV and he's not in the room with them. But he's just talking about how important the conversation is and basically saying that being empathetic is the most important thing here. Yeah. Have this discussion. (laughs) Right. Have the discussion, but have it empathetically. Right. Which does not seem to be what's occurring on all sides of the conversation. But it was cool to see Eric chime in. Because you never know if something like that is like a put on. Eric, I mean, he's actually evolved into something. What does Kevin say? He's like a spiritualist. Yeah, he's like a spiritualist and a teacher. And that comes through. It really does. When he started speaking, it felt like everybody kind of calmed down a little bit. They were just like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Yes, Guru Eric. Yeah, Guru. He's like the Guru. <laughs> just, like, just looking at him. Yeah, and I mean that respectfully. <laughs> yes, but it, absolutely. Because I, I felt it too because it's like very tense and then all of a sudden he starts talking and you just feel a little more peaceful. Yeah, and he said the right things. He did. It was wild to see that. He seems very wise. So then Becky kind of takes a break. She walks away. I think she gets herself some water or something, and it cuts to Julie and Becky in the bedroom, and they're whispering, and you can kind of hear Becky saying, like, I can't do this, whatever, and then- She said she was used. She said, I feel used, yes. And then all of a sudden, the camera guy, like, pops into the room, and Julie immediately is like, no, Yeah, she kicks him out. out. We're not doing this. Straight away. Yeah, she's like, you gotta go. She was very stern and firm in that. She's like, get out. And he went out. I mean, they still kind of were They snuck back in. The yeah, they snuck yeah. back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. I mean, listen, I feel like you can't really tell them to go away because this is what you signed up for. Yeah. You know? Well, apparently not all of them knew that's what they signed up for. <laughs> uh, then we go back to Kevin and Heather talking. Kevin says that he just feels like of everyone, Becky is the only one who has not evolved. Yeah. And it does. I mean, 
I hate to say it because I don't know her as a person, but just from what I see, and especially, you know, the producers go back and forth showing things that she said 29 years ago and things she's saying now, and it's the same. It, it doesn't same, It doesn't right. feel like she's changed. And I can't tell, I never like to be manipulated. Right. I can't tell if that's what production wants out there or if that's just the reality. I feel like it's probably a little bit of both. I feel like but... it is the reality there with her it's yeah just... well, maybe in a way they're trying to prove like we're not using you exactly. this is what you're giving us like here's your proof you're not our scapegoat you're not just the one that we're going to decide that you're it yeah you know so that we can tell the story because she did very much feel like the victim eventually in this she did yes and i don't know if she feels like it was the producers or that it was kevin that he came in with an agenda mm -hmm. of like i need to be able to tell this we're going to talk about this and I'm going to use you as the example. Yeah, I'm going to make a point. But I mean, the thing is, she did provide an example 29 years ago, yeah. and she could have handled that conversation differently. Yeah. I mean, it's not like anybody coached her through the conversation. Right. She chose to answer the way that she wanted to. Yeah. And unfortunately, just everything that came out of her mouth wasn't working. No. <laughs> so then we cut over to Julie who's having an ITM. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to her and Kevin's argument. And Julie kind of talks about how she left that and settled it in the past. Like that was over at that point. And they actually show a clip yes. where they're like shaking hands and agreeing that they've settled this conversation and argument. Right. Even though I think everyone still looks at that fight as one of the most talked about fights on reality television, period. Yeah. Even Kevin said, like, I thought they were going to show us the clip of me and Julie. I didn't think it, it was going to be that one. Right. With Becky, mm -hmm. you know, but that's probably why, because they never really settled it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Kevin also mentions that Julie texted him about saying stupid things back then. Yeah. And they showed a picture of Julie and Kevin, obviously, like midway through. Yeah. They look younger than they look now, but older than they looked on the show, on the show, the original show. Yeah. So, you know, they had met up and, and it was nice to see that they had been in contact. Yeah. Then you get Heather thinking back to Kevin back on the original show and how she felt back then and what she realizes now in the fact that he was right to feel the way that he did and to express those feelings, but she wasn't receptive to it back then. Yeah. She said they just wanted to play. She's like, yeah. I didn't want to talk about anything political or serious. Yeah, I just she wanted want to, to have party. fun. Right. Like, I'm living in this place for free. I just want to party, yeah. meet these people, have fun, you know, joke around, record my music. Like, I don't want to get into all this. Why yeah, they, are you so angry? Right. You know, they showed, they like showed a clip of her back then. And she, I mean, she was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> she She's was like, you're ruining our good time. Yeah. You know, he was kind of ahead of his time, I guess. I mean, not according to some people, but right. I think as far as. You know, he, anyone he that's been kind of sheltered, sure. you know, it just kind of felt like, hey, why, why are you raining on our parade? And she, she said she was thankful that Kevin helped her become a better listener Yes, through that original interaction and through their, I think, continued friendship after the right. original show. Mm -hmm. So then they cut to Becky hanging out in the bedroom, just singing and playing guitar, probably decompressing, maybe making some decisions. Yeah, because she's talking about how she's grown out of this genre. Yeah, this genre. Yeah. She's like, I get that this was groundbreaking, but I don't really want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah, and this is where I got the thought that she's going to leave. Yes, and we've seen, obviously, from previews that somebody leaves. Yeah. And we had guessed at the end of our last recap that it was going to be her. Yeah, exactly. So they're definitely leading us to believe it's going to be her. 
One of the things that I brought up while we were watching it and made us laugh, and I think we were both thinking it, is that we wish that Kevin would just take his jacket off. Yeah. Like, relax, stay a while, you know? Like, yeah. Maybe Be it's really cold in the loft or I don't know, but... I channel my inner Eric, the guru in me, is like, he just hasn't fully opened himself up to the cast yet or to his <laughs> cast mates. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like a comfort thing. I don't know. Or he just is really cozy. Or he and Andre are getting ready to go for a walk. Yeah. So maybe it's like they were getting ready to go and then they got stopped to have this conversation and then it lasted way longer than they thought. Right. And so he's just sitting there with his jacket on. Yeah. And for us, this is like two episodes in a row. You right. Know? And it's all editing and stuff. Yeah. I just feel like I haven't seen him without his jacket on. <laughs> exactly. You know? But we did see a funny moment here with Kevin and you don't see him cracking jokes that often or being silly. Mm -hmm. He's usually pretty serious. So he's like leaning over the edge of the loft area, talking down to Andre, asking if he wants to go. He's ready to leave because they're going for a walk. And he's doing like a Louis Armstrong impression. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. So then Andre and Kevin head out on the town. They go for a walk. I think they swing by Eric's apartment because they're like, oh, this is Eric's block. And they're like yelling up for Eric. I actually expected Eric to come out at that point, but I did too. I was a little let down there. I know. And this is the point where we see these two girls are like, can we get a <laughs> selfie just in case you're famous? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? They're these young girls. So, you know, they probably have no idea who they are, but they yeah. see cameras following them around. Right. So they're just like, who are you? You know, I thought that was funny. And it also made me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, though, half of their faces are covered. True. True, true, true. But they had a nice conversation. They did. And it was kind of cool to see that they're actually closer than I would have imagined. Yeah, I was confused because I wasn't sure if they'd grown closer after the show. And I actually wrote this down. I wasn't sure if they'd grown closer after the show or if this new show has caused them to grow closer. Yeah, I feel like maybe they started talking again when they knew they were going to do it. This that, is just my yeah, guess. Right. And... In talking, they've realized that they had a lot more in common than they thought. Mm -hmm. They, you know, feel the same way about a lot of things. Because their conversation here, it felt like they were already comfortable with each other. You yeah, know? it wasn't like two people that didn't know each other very well. It sounded like they already had a good rapport. Right. And they were saying how, like, in the first season, they weren't very close at all. Mm -hmm. They had, I feel like, maybe one conversation, which they showed a clip they did of. Show it, yeah. And they were talking about racism, and Andre was asking Kevin what racism meant to him. And, you know, serious conversation, but Andre was also saying how he was just kind of all over the place. And he was, yeah. Well, he said he was immature. You yes. Know? You know, Kevin was a lot older than him. Right. A lot older than all Everybody, of them. Everybody, yeah. Because uh, Kevin was almost 30, right? He was 27. I think 26 or 27, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, 26. Andre was saying how he and his wife had just recently watched his first season and how in so many instances, you know, he was telling Kevin this, your point of view was correct. Yeah. You know, he's like, I just didn't see that back then. He didn't say those words. Those are my words, but pretty much that's what he's saying. That was a gist. <laughs> <laughs> so then we got back to the loft. And who's in the living room? It's uh, Norman, Julie, and Heather. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of whispering because Andre and Kevin are gone, but Becky's still in her room. And you can tell they're like, whisper, whisper, whisper. Yeah, like, and then what's going on? Becky walks out and she she's says, got a mask. Yeah, she'll be. I'll be back, she says. And they're like, what are you doing? She's just like, no, I just got to get something. And Norman's like, it better not be to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're pretty sure that that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And this is where Julie kind of expresses that she feels like Becky got lit up by that conversation, you know, where 
it sounds like they weren't planning to put anybody on blast like that. Yeah, that's, that's what, what she Julie says. Said. So it's like they, they must have discussed that, like, hey, let's not do this. But, you know, it's a conversation. What are you going to do? And then on a little funny note, Julie's like, if she does leave, Heather and I are getting the executive <laughs> <Yeah>. suite. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, no, she's my wife. She wouldn't leave. Yeah. Then it's back to walking around town again. And Andre's talking about the challenges of raising his daughter or a child in general in the new digital age, how it's kind of difficult to get them to connect with actual people. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He's like, they don't even know how to be around people normally. Right. You know, so they're trying to already like limit their daughter's screen time and she's four. Yeah. And you think like this past year, how little contact some children would have had with other kids. Yeah. Because of, you know, everything that's been going mm -hmm. on. And I wonder what kind of impact that'll have down the I mean, the road. honestly, we haven't been around a lot of people. Yeah. And we're getting to a point now where we're going to be able to soon. And it's like, it's gonna I, be don't, a little weird. I don't know how I'm going to do around people. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, you know, that wasn't like a quick distanced, hello. you know, hello yeah. kind of thing. And I will say, too, that, you know, I used to talk on the phone all the time. And now I don't want to talk on the phone. Like, just text me. Yeah. If somebody calls me out of nowhere, I'm like, <gasps> what's wrong? What is that? <laughs> they didn't tell me they were going to call me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I wasn't ready for that, you know? And that's definitely changed because of having this rectangle in my hand, mm -hmm. having this computer in my face, being able to email. And, you know, even in the late 90s, like that started changing. Yeah. Like, when's the last time you wrote a letter? It's been a while. Yeah. I can't think of the last time I did. I used to do it quite often. In the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I loved writing letters. Yeah. We'll talk about that on a different episode. <laughs> so this is where we hear more about Andre's life. Yeah. And him meeting his wife. And we see more adorable footage of his daughter. And then Kevin says how he calls Andre the poet. Mm -hmm. Because he's such a great songwriter. And he says that his new album is called Clean Break. Mm -hmm. And that they've gotten to be good friends. It's really cool to see. Yeah. I was happy to see that. So then it's back to Becky. She's upset and feels attacked and feels like she was used to make a political statement. She says it's changed her feelings and she doesn't want to be in this group anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not for her, she says. And then they show the producers like talking with her about it. Yep. A lot of drama going on. <laughs> and then some more funny moments provided by Heather B. Yeah. So she walks in. Maybe this is where she changed into her pajamas. And I'm not sure. Maybe she didn't have them on earlier. I can't remember. But I can't remember either. She walks in and Eric's there so he can see her. And he's like, or he's on the screen and he can see her virtually. And he asks Heather if she's wearing a onesie. Yeah. And she goes, you know, they ain't ready for a onesie. It's a twosie. <laughs> it's a twosie. <laughs> and it was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. It was really funny. <laughs> Eric says that his temp is down. Yeah, he's like at 97.9, something like that. Yeah, he's been doing some spiritual work, calling on his guides and his ancestors and purging emotionally. So he said he'd had many cries yep. in his time. He's using the time, the isolation. Productively. Per yeah. As productively as he can. Yes. And then Julie asks Eric if his life would be different if he hadn't been on the real world. Yeah. And he says that he would probably be dead. Yeah, he kind of really starts to dive into what his life was like before then. Yeah, he says that like a lot of his trauma was caused by his brother. Yeah. And the way he would beat up on him and mm -hmm. 
You know, yeah, I it purposefully sounded, make him angry. Right. It sounded to me like it was maybe a little more over the top than typical sibling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his brother was a pretty big dude. Right. He was all yoked up. Mm-hmm. His father left when he was 11. And then he yeah. says that he lost his virginity to a woman who raped him. Yeah, I mean, that's super traumatic. That's some trauma right there, yeah. We see some never-before-seen footage of him drinking and being drunk out on the fire escape, which was very scary to see. Yeah, he's just literally sitting on an open window, like, legs out over the street. It is dangerous. And, like, Kevin had to go out there and get him. And Yeah, because then he walked out onto the ledges out there. Yeah. He's just, like, hanging out, like, not on a fire escape. Yeah. Just, like, on some stone molding, whatever mm-hmm. that's called. And you can see, like, he's super wrecked. And he is. they definitely never showed any of that. No. I don't even really remember them drinking. They I probably re- showed, like, no, I do remember them drinking. Yeah. I remember I, him going over to that window, though, at some point. Yeah, I, I do, like, I remember shots from that scene. But they obviously just didn't show they didn't. all of that. But he well, they was... shouldn't have. Like, I feel like on the original show, that might have been like encouraging that type of behavior or something right. or, or thought of that way. Yeah. But that's really dangerous. Yes. Like, we're not anti-drinking. We're just anti- I don't hang out a window out a window while you're drinking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's the way that you fall out the window accidentally. Right. And he's just saying that he definitely like dove into- I think he said drugs. I know he said drinking. Sorry if he didn't say drugs. Yeah. But I think he said drugs and alcohol to kind of numb himself. And then the entertainment industry just kind of amplified those problems. Yeah. Which he kind of blew up after the real world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think he was actually in talks to be in Batman Forever. Is it was it yeah, Batman was Forever be... or Batman and Robin? He was going to be Robin, right? He was going to be Robin in Batman Forever, I believe. Right. Because he was talking about how... And they were worried he'd upstage Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer didn't want him because yeah. he saw him and he was just like, nope. Right. <laughs> he told that story on Danny Pellegrino's interview oh, that's with right. them. Yeah, good call. Everything Iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Eric is talking, we then see in the background, Becky emerges from her room with a huge suitcase in tow. She's got all her stuff with her, essentially. And she walks over to the door, literally just says, see ya. See ya. And such oh. a snotty way i did not like it at all it was making me dislike becky even more yep she's like you know this is bs she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore oh yeah and julie's like we all made agreements she's talking to the roommates then she's like all seven of us were going to support each other and then becky's like it's not real yeah and norm's like is our friendship real and she goes nope nope not anymore so norman's hurt He's you know? like, that, is, that is some hurtful stuff to do. I understand she's probably upset, but those are cutting things to say to somebody. Right. Especially when she knows Norman loves her. Exactly. And, you know, Norman, he says in the confessional, he's like, I'm hurt. He's like, I'm hurt by her entitlement. Yeah. And just the way she's carrying herself, you know. And I thought it was interesting how they cut back mm-hmm. to Kevin saying she ain't never going to change. Yeah. Back from. From 30 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's definitely not. A reality TV fan. She isn't, which is fine. But she's sitting there saying like how people haven't evolved. And what I wrote down was, has she? And my answer was no. No. I mean, she hasn't evolved at all. She's saying the conversation hadn't evolved at all because people just want to fight. Yeah. And that Kevin needed to make a statement by arguing with her, which we mentioned previously. But she says that again here. Right. She's like, because of Black Lives Matter, he's just using her as the person to make the statement with. Mm hmm. And then you cut back to season one of The Real World when the girls are on their 
girls trip and they're like in the hot tub talking about what it's going to be like when they get back because she had had this argument with Kevin before they left. And she's like, Kevin can't debate without getting angry. And then it cuts to Kevin also from back then saying the same thing (laughs) about her. Right. So it's still it's like they're just at this impasse like they cannot. I think they're you know, they're both being stubborn. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I definitely think Kevin's right. Yeah, me too. And here's the thing. Becky, I think she thinks of herself as like super progressive. Right. Um, I believe Norman said something like that too. Well, he had said that. And then Kevin says in his confessional, he's like, I hate to say it, but even though she's liberal and progressive, she's still in this case being very selfish. Yeah, she's it's all just about being her. like me, 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 me. Right. And not trying to, it's like she thinks she doesn't have to learn anything. Yeah. And then it cuts over to, I think this is where Julie had been talking about, oh, we all need to support her, yada, yada, yada. But then Eric's like, we all knew what we were getting into. It's up to us to choose to find the stability in navigating through the process. Like Wise words once again. Like he's not going to coddle her. If she wants to storm out and leave, okay. She knew what she was getting into. Right. Like Norm said, we knew they were going to show us these clips. Right. So I'm sure that producers told them before they came in the house, like, hey, you're going to be here. We're going to show you things that you did and you're going to talk about it again. Exactly. So she had to know this stuff was going to come up. She just doesn't like how she came across and that people weren't supporting her. Or at the very least, she doesn't feel supported. And once again, it's just about her. She right. doesn't feel supported. Right. Sorry. Not to hate on Becky at all. Well, <laughs> not just... to not to just hate on Becky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, honestly, it's like, I'm kind of glad she left. I don't think that that's the way that she should have handled it. No. But at the same time, I'm just tired of her. I am too. <laughs> My worry is that it's not over. Yeah, because the previews kind of made it look like they were at least going to try to have another conversation. But I don't know if she's going to be down for that. Right. We'll see. I don't think she'll move back in the loft, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that'll happen. Oh, another Andre moment. Right at the very end, he said, you can't solve a problem. By running away from it. I like to include all the Andre bits since he was barely in the first show. (laughs) I like these Andre moments. We've got Andre quotes on quotes on quotes. Quotes on quotes on quotes. (laughs) And that was the end of the episode. That was it. Yeah, I look forward to, I mean, obviously, I think that they should have spent the time that they spent on this conversation. But I hope that they talk about some other stuff, too. I think they will. I think they will as well. And by some other stuff, I mean some other things that happened on the first season. I want to hear them talk about, you know? absolutely. It looked like they were maybe going to get into some Norm stuff next week. Which I look forward to. Me too. So that's it. I'm still just amazed that they did this. I'm so excited that they did it. And yeah, I look forward to seeing how it all plays out. Same here. See you guys next week. See ya. Wait. See ya. See ya. I'm going to say it like Becky. See ya. See ya. (laughs) See ya.